0: Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan, and today, Reg and I are going to have a chat. Write to those dance teachers who really need to hear this message. What do you think, Ray?
1: I'm ready to give out this message. I am ready. Excited to be back with you, Stacey.
0: It's always fun talking to you, Ray. You know, you and I get to spend most of our days talking with dance studio owners or small business owners about the ins and outs of their business. And today, when we both jumped on this call, we have both got things to say about the people we've been talking to because I don't know about you Ree, but I find that I, I I repeat I repeat the same messages sometimes to the same not to the same people but I find that you know there's something in the moon or something in the stars in that you know in certain weeks I'm talking about the same topic over and over again and then next week I'm talking about something different but this week you've been talking to dance studio owners about really standing up for themselves which I think is such an important message.
1: I am 100% behind us doing what we need to do to get the best dance education that we can and to worry less about the future. So yes, I am for us sticking up for ourselves and our businesses, and I don't want to let it all out now, but. The bottom line is creating policies within the school that work for the future of my business and charging the fees and prices that I must charge in order to continue rolling.
0: Absolutely. So if you're a dance teacher out there who is constantly waking up at four o'clock in the morning worrying about whether or not you're going to be able to make your budget, if you are anxious about putting up your prices, about really charging what you're worth, then this episode of Regold's Dance Life Podcast is for you. Of course, today's episode is brought to you by the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association. You can find out more information at ideadance.org. I'm an idea member. I've been an idea member since the very beginning and Re, you're just celebrating five years of idea membership and idea members.
1: We are and... We're going to celebrate big time with the conference in July. There'll be an idea learning day and we're going to celebrate our 50th anniversary and also make some changes to better serve our members.
0: Even better if you're not a member and you would like to be, you can register now at ideadance.org in time for the conference and then you can participate in that fabulous day of learning. I love the idea day at the conference because it's always at the beginning. It's always kind of like when you're really excited, you know, when you go to an event and when you get there on the first day, it's like the first day of school. That's what idea day is like at the conference. So, uh, the conference of course has two options. You can go, uh, online if you are stuck in another country like me, or you can go in person and, uh, and, you know, knock elbows with other dance studio owners from all around the country, which will be super exciting.
1: And how cool is that dance teachers actually being in the
0: same room? I just can't wait. That's awesome. So today, in thinking about dance teachers standing up for themselves – you know, so many of us start our businesses because we love teaching dance. We have a passion for teaching dance. We have a passion for young children. We want to make an impact on the lives of our students. We don't start our businesses, the majority of us, and there's some people out there that do, but the majority of us don't start our businesses because we love looking at P&L spreadsheets, because we really enjoy making a budget, because, um, you know, Ticking off um, a list of things to do is really just really lights us up. But we find that once you know, once we get started and we get stuck into the business and the business starts to grow, that so many things come up that we have to make decisions on. I mean, as a studio owner, you're making decisions all day, every day, and some of those decisions have to be about how much money you're going to charge, how much money you're going to make and how you're going to manage both of those things in your business. I used to leave that kind of thing in my business, Ray, to, the, to the very last part of the day. I would get up in the morning and I would cut music and I would think about costumes and I would do choreography and then I'd go to the studio and teach and then I'd get home and then I'd go, oh, somebody's going to do the invoices. I think that somebody is me. And I've learnt so many lessons, you know, in the 11 years of my ballet school in really making sure that I have some really strong policies and procedures in place in regards to my payments. What have you been telling dance studio owners, Ray, who have been really anxious about the amount, the amount they're charging, especially in this really different COVID time?
1: This is what I talk about with them. Uh, you and I were talking earlier and I gave this example, but once, once they've heard it, they kind of start to think, okay, um, if we ordered from a takeout restaurant a year ago, and we ordered again today, a year later. My guess is that that same order would be 3 to $5 more than it was a year ago. Mm. And it's not out of greed. It's the cost to operate. It's the cost to keep the restaurant going the higher cost for the food, the higher cost for the staff, the higher cost for the PPE Mm -hmm. and all of the sanitizing that has to go on and the new equipment and air systems to keep places safe. I look at the dance education field and I see that our classes are cut down in size. Uh, or we have these limitations, that we don't know how long that will last, or if our clientele, let's say that we had a year and a half ago, will all come flying back right away. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to teachers who are thinking, wow, I don't know if I can afford to do this. But at the
0: same time,
1: they're afraid to go up because of their clientele's reaction.
0: Mm, Afraid to go up in price, you mean? Afraid to put their prices up? Yes. And
1: I look at it as though those parents are the same people who are paying higher price for that takeout Mm -hmm. and have been watching everything increase just like we have. Yeah. And that we have to put the future of our businesses as well as our own uh, anxieties to rest by charging what it's going to take to run that class. And this is really important,
0: make a profit. Yes, absolutely. Profit seems to be a dirty word in dance studio owner circles, don't you think, Ree, when it comes to making money. Some of us feel quite self-conscious about that prospect.
1: Well, this is what I'll say to you as well as all of our listeners. I feel like this last year has shown dance studio owners to be survivors, people who will go be above and beyond the call of duty to keep classes going, the lessons that they've had to learn this year, new ways of running businesses, new ways of teaching, new ways of putting on the annual show at the end of the season. I feel like we need to pat ourselves on the back for really how brilliant we are and head into the future with the confidence that, hey, we made it over uh, a hump that no other I don't know, dance studio owner in history has had to make it over. Mm -hmm. And let's head into this next year, grateful that we made it, but also willing to do what it takes to run a business and to be comfortable in that business. I'm not telling people to gouge anybody. I'm saying, Cover what it costs you for that PPE. Mm -hmm. Cover what it's costing you for that increase in your utilities. Cover what it's costing you because your teachers worked so hard over the last year and two or three months that they deserve some sort of a raise at this point. Mm -hmm. Do it for everybody, the good of the school, and don't worry about the reaction.
0: I have to say, Ray the doing the budget and figuring out exactly what i should be charging for my classes was was a was a big speed hump for me in in the early days i di- really didn't know i had a look around at what everybody else was charging and then kind of just threw something at the wall and thought that'll do <laughs> that's this is how we'll do it
1: and did you do that without even looking at what it costs? You were just like, "Okay, that's what everybody charges, so I'm gonna stick in this area." yeah,
0: in the early days, that's exactly how I did it and and then i um my I met my business mentor, and I'm laughing because she was just like, "You did what <laughs> and she you know she really taught me how to break down exactly what it costs to run each of each each of my classes and I have a fabulous spreadsheet now that I work off and if there are any dance studio owners who would like me to share that spreadsheet I'm more than happy to you can um, send me a dm on instagram you can find me at simply stacy morgan but that spreadsheet is now like my bible I don't go anywhere without it I have it all the time I punch in every every expense every um every little thing that comes up that that I wasn't dealing with before you're exactly right all the different sanitizers that we're now buying, the different equipment that we need for concerts, the masks that we need as part of costumes—everything goes into that spreadsheet. And then whatever comes out on the other end, you know, if it stays in the black, then then we're okay. But if it goes to red, then then we have to make changes. And honestly, re, I can say that from from my parents' perspective, from my dance parents, they. I haven't, I have had to increase my prices in different areas. So I haven't necessarily always increased my tuition, but I've increased, you know, my performance fees and, and, and kind of mopped up the, the extra in different areas. I haven't heard a single word from any of my parents. Nobody has protested. Sure, there have been people who have not come back, but I'm, Pretty sure that the reason they're not coming back is not because of the two dollar increase in the performance fee, but instead because of a whole, you know, gamut of reasons that their child no longer wants to dance and wants to go to netball, or the family's, you know, not doing extracurricular this year, and and other reasons like that. So, if you are a dance studio owner that's listening to this and thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not making budget, I'm not covering all of my costs, this is an extra anxiety that I'm now dealing with in you know, on top of all the anxieties that I'm dealing with at this current time, then I, I encourage you to be brave and I encourage you to step out and, and to be vulnerable with your audience as well. You know, everyone is, is going to be understanding as they are of the takeaway shop in that they, they know the time we're living in. They understand that you are running a business and those who are with you will stay with you and those who weren't with you in the beginning will fall away.
1: So I, uh, for, for the studio owners listening, I have a, another concept here that you could use. And that is to think maybe it's not going up on the actual tuition, but for those of you who charge a discount, let's say for the second class or the third class, mm-hmm. or maybe you have a really large sibling discount, maybe it's time to bring those up or not offer that discount until someone's registered for three classes. And at that point, they would get a discount. I think that there are other ways if you are overwhelmed with, wow, they'll freak out if I go up $2 an hour. Mm -hmm. It's like you said, the performance fee. There are other ways to generate the income. But even though I'm saying that to you, I do think that it's okay in the year that we're in and based on what we've been through to really consider that there should be a price increase.
0: And can I say in the delivery of that price increase, re I don't think it's something you need to do a song and dance about. I think if you are getting your season ready, prepped for September and it's time to be letting people know the schedule and what's going to happen and who's taking what classes and all of that, the new price structure just goes in the prospectus with that information or in the handout and you don't mention it. You just, this is what the price is this season and that's that.
1: Bingo. Yeah. You hit that right on the head. I feel like one of the concerns that we have is, is, or the main concern is a parent's reaction. When in reality, it's not something that we're going to put out there on our Facebook page and say, wow, tuition's going up this year or that we have to walk out into the lobby and say, I'm I'm sorry, but tuition has to go up this year, and now I have to list my reasons. You go up on tuition. I bet 80% don't notice the increase. Mm-hmm. And the rest of them will probably be looking and going, okay, dance went up, so did everything else. Yeah. And if if there is that. Hear this because this is important for the psyche of uh, our listeners. If you do get a call from a distraught mom out of your 200 students, consider yourself lucky. Don't let that one distraught mom now make you feel this guilt from mm-hmm. making a decision that you know is the right thing for the future of your business. Yes, you may get negative feedback, but a good leader knows what they have to do and can deal with that negative feedback because they're thinking about the whole and the future.
0: Absolutely. and I'm passionate
1: about this side (laughs) of who we are. I don't know if you could tell.
0: I can tell. I can tell, but it's so important and it's not something we talk about. Everyone kind of just lies awake at four o'clock thinking about it. I I think that's really important that that yes you will get negative feedback and as I said before it's okay to be vulnerable in those moments it's okay to say look I've been really worried we have had this massive increase in expenses my rent's gone up my expenses have gone up this is this is why and and if they can't show compassion for you and your business in that moment they're not your people you don't need them <laughs> You you no. will you will mop up the difference with everybody else's increase in price that you can lose a few um, disgruntled customers and that's you know people driving their cars please don't rear off the road because that's shocking information <laughs> to you um it's it's okay it's okay not everybody are our people and if something like this is going to turn them off then you're avoiding a bullet because later on when the wrong costume comes or, you know, the child's in the back row, you were going to hear about it anyway and it was going to make your life difficult. So it's better, better that it happens now on something that's really, really understandable.
1: I'm with you 100% and I feel like we will gain students compared to where we are at right now in the future So if we lose those two or three out of our 200 who left because of the price increase, the bottom line is the 20 new kids who came in and will never complain because they joined the studio, I'm not gonna say loving the price, but accepting what it costs to take a dance class and what you need to make in order to be successful at it. Yeah. Bottom line is, take care of yourself. I want to take you somewhere else on this. Uh, As a studio owner and in talking with so many people in the last couple of weeks, what do you feel like they're preparing for when it comes to their policies for the future? Are you seeing that they want to make some changes? I think, you... I think this is
0: important. And I was thinking about it, actually, when we were talking about the price increase. We, at my at my dance studio, we have a price increase every year, no matter what. And we haven't had to, to make specific tuition price increases during this difficult time because our prices go up um, incrementally every year anyway, and that's part of our policy. So when you enrol everybody understands that there's going to be a 6% increase every year and that's just how it goes. And I find that that 6% will cover my rent going up and my electricity increasing and any of those extra things, a global pandemic, for example, <laughs> happening. But I think if you're going to, to step in and, and do an overhaul of, of what you're delivering and how much it's costing, then it's the perfect time to also look at your policies and procedures.
1: So I have uh, been explaining to the people that I work with that we have to go into this next season with different kind of waivers and releases and creating policies where we cover COVID or any kind of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Policies that talk about if we were to have some sort of a shutdown again, that we will be running virtual classes whether that be on zoom and going into this next season covering all of our bases because we're that much more smarter this round Mm -hmm. i've also today in a conversation with a teacher studio owner she said you know normally i would charge a deposit for the costume, and a balance due for the costume. Mm -hmm. And that balance due would come three months later. She's made the decision that she's just charging one fee, one time, and it's going to be paid up front that first round. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, those are the kind of things that we as studio owners need to think about to just cover our bases as we enter a new season hoping that it's going to be rah rah and business is going to grow and that we're never going to get closed down again but because we've been through this experience we need to cover our bases just in case
0: and for those of you who hate writing policies and procedures and they're rolling their eyes as we're talking we're not talking about rehauling everything. You know, it's just as simple as adding adding a line. I know when we had the bushfires here in Australia, we had to shut down for several days and that was the first time that we had ever cl- had to close. We had never cancelled a class mm-hmm. before then. And after that, we, we you know, we very quickly realised that we had no policy in place for if, if classes were cancelled. And so we were able to put in a policy... Um, then, and that was November of the year before the pandemic began that just said, you know if we are not having classes, classes will be made up, classes will not be refunded, this is how that's going to work and then yeah, five months later, here we go and we're st- we're suddenly on zoom and then we've you know made more changes to our policies and and I'm not talking rewriting three pages, just rewriting that paragraph to say that, yes, we will move to virtual classes and we will go online and the the cost will be the same and, and this is why and this is how. And then, you know, we're, of course, in the middle of a pandemic, but also a couple of months ago we had um a massive flood here in my town and so we had to cancel classes again. It was kind of like... The bushfires and then the pandemic and then the flood. We're like, okay, we get it. That's three. Thank you very much. But we were able wow, to. Wow,
1: that is a lot. Okay, that was a lot. Your people have been out more than they've been in. It sounds like
0: uh, they they're pretty resilient. We. <laughs> I have to tell you,
1: I forgot about the bushfires and and you did have to close down.
0: Yeah, and and so we did with the floods again a couple of weeks ago, and and so out of that. You know, our people are becoming quite, um, you know, they they understand the policies and procedures because they're they're living it (laughs) over and over again. But it will become part and parcel of what you do for your customers as well um, if you make sure that it is part of your policies and procedures. And it also helps you from a leadership standpoint. If it's there written on paper, it doesn't become you're the bad guy or it's you versus that parent. It just becomes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just going to refer you to page 45 of our welcome manual. Ta da. It's, there's no emotion in that. There's just, this is what you signed up for. And and I'm sorry that you don't, you had forgotten, but here it is in black and white. Makes it a lot easier.
1: I'm with you. I also would like to add to these, the policy thought, I guess, is how will you do your recitals in the future? Are there changes that you're going to make based on how? you've been affected by COVID. Do the kids need as many costumes as they have had before? Are there ways to cut back on the expenses for the parents so that they're more apt to pay for their dance lessons and register their kids? Because I think in the States anyway, maybe this way in Australia as well, I feel that a lot of parents are more budget conscious Mm -hmm. than they've been before and that the dance lessons don't seem like a lot of money, but the three additional costumes and the elaborate recital in a four star auditorium might be more than they can afford. Mm. And, I feel as though this last year, especially here, may be different in other countries. We've had to learn how to do outdoor performances, performances in wedding venues, uh, video performances that are played at a drive-in. I look at all of those things and I say, is there not a new direction or some new place for us to go that we could settle ourselves into that is less, uh, responsibility. Maybe that's not the right word, but less commitment from our parents, both financially and all the other ways. Mm. Boy, that was a long run, wasn't it?
0: But I understand what you mean. It's, it, it is the time to make changes. And if you want to try new things and innovate in your business, we can no longer say we, we're just doing this because this is the way we've always done it. This is the perfect time to say we're going to try something new. And who knows, you, the things that you try that are new might end up being better than the way you did it before. And you might end up being able to make these changes permanently. Or what I would love to see is more people doing things differently every year. Because I think so many of us have done the same thing year after year after year that it, it loses its spark. Recital day used to be like I used to not sleep the night before. And now sometimes on recital day, I wake up and go, oh, my goodness, here we go. <laughs> you know, and I, I miss that. I miss that kind of something new and exciting. So this is the time to be able to, to change it up a little bit.
1: I'm going to take that further and say not even a little bit. All of the dreams or ideas that you have had, if they're sensible financially, (laughs) why not go for them at this time? Consider this, that you have a foundation for your business and your school as it has existed. Now build upon that foundation with new ideas. Don't look to others and see what they're doing and try that. Come up with concepts that feel right to you and bring them into your business. And if they're really good, other people will steal them.
0: And that's okay.
1: And that's okay. Because you're so on top of yourself that you are still creating and coming up with new and better things. or so ways to improve that thing that you created last year because you've had experience. I look at this as a time of opportunity. This, in the States, we're about to make it through that recital season. Mm -hmm. And then in September, we have a clean slate. Why not build the business that's going to make you the happiest. That's going to make you get in the car at the end of the day, not every day, but most days and say, I'm confident in myself. I'm, I'm proud of what I've created. That's how we need to head into the future. Cause we worked our, excuse my language,
0: asses off <laughs> for the last, I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. I like that idea, Ray. I like the idea of going into a new season, charging what you're worth, having your policies and procedures in place, attracting the people that are your people, and then, you know, going home at the end of the day and being really proud of what you're doing. That's what I want for all of our dance studio owners who are listening. I love it.
1: I uh, want the same thing. And I want you to feel the joy in running a dance studio and directing a dance studio and teaching and that joy rubs off on all of your dancers and now your school is just booming because people aren't coming because you're a great dance teacher they're coming because everybody at your school is so damn happy
0: Mm-hmm. I love it that's a great way to finish <laughs> If you want to be surrounded by other Happy Dance Studio owners, then you can join Idea. You can do that at ideadance.org. Thank you so much to Idea for supporting this episode. And Ria, I'll leave it over to you to, to wrap it up.
1: I'll, uh, I'll wrap it up with, uh, I don't want to repeat myself, but just think as you're, this podcast is coming to an end, opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Go do all the cool concepts and ideas that you have had to make your school better and in your vision because we have the clean slate. And while you're at it, I'll close it out with this because this is the most important thing. Always, always enjoy the journey.
0: Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast.